Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. My guest today is Zach Weinberg, assistant volleyball coach and recruiting coordinator at Tennessee Tech University. I have never had a volleyball coach on, and I've never had a recruiting coordinator on. So it was really interesting to get to chat, to Zach, chat with Zach about his his career and how he got into volleyball. He, you know, he spent a little bit of time as a ticket coordinator uh, sales rep with the Orlando Magic, something he always wanted to do, but he fell in love with the sport a few years earlier and he just wanted to stick in it. So really interesting to hear what the life of an assistant coach is like, kind of all the traveling and and the job security lack thereof in certain situations. So it was really cool to get to chat with him and and what it means to him to be able to spend time with uh, young athletes and, and help them grow as people, which I think is very important. So make sure to enjoy this episode with Zach. Let's do it. All right. Today I have Zach Weinberg, the assistant volleyball coach and recruiting coordinator at Tennessee Tech University. Previous stops at Northwestern State University and UNLV Las Vegas, man. Good stuff. And worked out, uh, worked for the Orlando Magic as a ticket sales rep back in the day. There were some other stops along the way, but definitely I think those personally uh, caught my attention the most. So Zach, really appreciate you hanging out today, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. No, no, no. Pleasure. Pleasure is all mine. And yeah, as, as we just spoke about, uh, Zach uh, works in the state of Tennessee. And as people may have realized recently, there were some devastating tornadoes there. And Zach's actually from one of the towns, if I'm not mistaken, that that mm-hmm. was, um, you know, unfortunately hit by this tornado. So Zach, if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about that and where people can go and, and help out if, if and how necessary. Sure. So yeah, we Tennessee Tech is located in Cookville, um, which is about 70 miles east of Nashville. Um, the, the tornadoes touched down in Nashville. And so that's kind of what you've been hearing. It's Nashville. It's a glamorous city. It's, you know, everyone loves it. Um, but uh, Cookville, where we are in Putnam County, uh, got actually the worst devastation. Uh, we had the most fatalities. Um, we're not a very big town. We're only about 33,000 people. So uh, not a lot of people know about us. We're kind of a stop on the highway in between Nashville and Knoxville. So if you drive past and you don't know what you're looking for, you might miss it. Um, but we had a great deal of devastation. And so it's been really neat to see everyone coming together to help rebuild uh, the city already. Uh, we had volunteers out on Wednesday, so many volunteers that the emergency service people actually couldn't get to the affected area. There were that many people that wanted to help out, um, our team included. So I was really proud of our kids for wanting to get out in the community. And uh, So yeah, Cookville took a hit, but we are going to come back better than ever. Um, if people want to help out uh, monetarily, they've actually received all of the material donations they can handle. They are fully stocked, which is great to hear. Um, That's awesome. Want to help, but uh, if someone wants to make a monetary donation, they can visit uh, the Putnam County page uh, online and they are taking donations there. Um, it's it's TN, uh, Tennessee Putnam County, I believe, .org 
uh, slash relief. Perfect. I'll have to double check that, but yeah, yeah, it's, you, yeah, it's easy to it, find. it'll be in the show notes. Um, yeah, it'll be very easy for anyone listening. Perfect. I'll make sure everything's in the show notes. That way, um, people can people can go and see. And I think it's awesome that you even said, you know, your athletes, uh, and I'm sure you and, and some other your your coaches and everyone was out there. <laughs> they were out there, you know, helping out and volunteering in any way. I think that's you know that's the power of sports, right? Bringing people together. It, it absolutely is. And Tennessee Tech University doesn't really exist without the city of Cookville. Um, you know, Tech itself is not a a huge school or a division one school, but we've only got about 10,000 kids. Um, and the community support here is incredible. Uh, the town loves tech and tech loves the town right back. So we actually didn't have school on Wednesday. Um, our president shot the campus tornadoes hit Monday night into Tuesday, um, Tuesday morning school was canceled Tuesday. And then um, they closed it again on Wednesday and we had a day of service. And so the whole school really got out and helped out. So it was, it was really cool to see the school wanting to give back um, to the community. That means so much to the institution. That is fantastic. Shout out to the, uh, the higher ups over there at Tennessee tech, definitely Absolutely. the right thing to do. And I think it's awesome. A lot of the students as a lot of the athletes got out there, went and cleaned up, went and helped out in any way that I could, they can. So I think that's so great. And, you know, as I said, I mean, that's, you know, obviously this is sports based, but um, you know, when something like that happens, it's always nice to see uh, an entire community, as you said, really just rally behind um, all the devastation and all the unfortunate things bring people together, especially now. Um, it's nice to see everybody on the same side of, uh, of a topic of conversation. It is. It's, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes it of takes course, tragedy course, yeah. to bring, really bring people together, but just seeing everyone come together for one common goal and just rebuilding this, this great little town that no one really knows about um, unless you're in Tennessee is, is really cool to see. That is great. And as you said, I mean, you already received all the, the, um, material uh supplies that is incredible um mm -hmm. you know there were so many volunteers it was hard for the the emergency um uh i'm sorry i can't remember what you yeah, did the emergency yeah. service people, thank, yeah. you, thank you thank you thank you <laughs> it was hard for them to get to where they needed to go which i mean obviously is is a, is a great thing also not a great thing at the same time but it you know it just shows that there's so many people out there willing uh willing to do what they need to do to make sure everything everything moves. So as I said before, all the information will be in the show notes for all that. Zach will make sure uh, he already sent me over some of the links. So I'll make sure if there's any extras that are out there, um, they, they get in there and we can, we can make sure that, you know, if there's any extra couple bucks and I'm sure five, 10, 15 bucks will go a long way, especially uh, with what, what you guys are dealing with down there. Absolutely. Any little bit will help the town um, in its recovery. Love it. Awesome, man. All right, cool. Well, I'm glad we got to do that. It's a, not glad we got to do it, but I, I'm happy that we can help in some way, shape or form with that. I think it's very important. Um, you know, some, you know, as you said, Nashville got the, uh, it is a glamorous city. It's incredible. I've never been, I've, I've, very good friends that go there a couple times a year though, because they love it so much. And I actually have a friend that moved down there. She currently lives there now. Um, she's, she's fine. Her, her friend's family is okay, but, uh, you know, it's just an unfortunate event. So, but, um, Zach, again, you know, let, that's awesome. We got that, you know, hopefully people can help anyone out there, but really do want to make sure that we talk a little bit about you too. You know, that's, that's why you're here and I'm not professional. So segues not, aren't quite my thing, but, um, really do appreciate you hanging out a little bit again, some more, man, really, really it is awesome. Uh, Zach actually reached out to me. He heard the show, heard that I was looking for more people to have on. He said, Hey, I haven't heard you see you have any volleyball uh, coaches or recruit coordinators on. Was it cool if I come on? I said, absolutely, man. Come on over. So uh, the first question I have for you today, Zach, is why do you love sports so much? I mean, I kind of just, I, I don't know that I had a choice growing up. I mean, I grew up in a sport family. Um, I was playing you know, little peewee soccer from as long as I can remember. Um, I wasn't very good at it and I quit pretty soon, but you know, that really, got my sport juices flowing. I was loved baseball, played a bunch of, a bunch of years of baseball. And then, um, really just growing up in the, the, the Philadelphia area, um, fortunate enough to have the four big sports and attending all those games. Um, 
just opened my eyes to the competition aspect of it, to the teamwork of it, and just what true fandom is. And so when I ultimately found volleyball and, and just it clicked and I fell in love with it and just ran with it, um, it became, as you see, my career. Yeah, yeah, very much so. A lot of stops along the way where you've been a head coach, a, an assistant coach, recruiting coordinator. Um, you know, fandom, real fandom is one way you could call Philadelphia uh, fans. <laughs> I personally wouldn't, but, you know, we don't, we don't, I want to like you and you want to like me, so we don't need to go down that road too, too I, far. I understand. Um, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you say you do, man. You say you do. But um, what, is, what, is, what exactly is it about volleyball? I mean, it's personally my favorite recreational sport to play. Like, my friends and I will literally have volleyball parties. We have someone's house. We put up a net. We don't follow all the rules, but we have a blast playing. It's so much fun, drinking your hand, the whole thing. What exactly sure. is it? I mean, you might be on a different level, but what is it about volleyball? No, I mean, I tell, like, recruit parents all the time, volleyball at its base level is a very aggressive game of don't let the balloon touch the floor. And it's so easy to understand to the casual viewer. Sure, if you watch, you know, we have the Olympics coming up, and you watch the Olympics, and um, there's a few rules here and there you might not understand. But at its ground level, it's see ball, don't let ball hit the floor. And so it's the ultimate team sport. I mean, you, when you learn volleyball in gym class, you learn you bump, set, spike as you get older. You know, we stopped using those words a little bit. But, um, you know, it's, you need the, the pass in order to have the set. You need the set in order to have a great hit. And you just need everyone on the court helping each other out. You can't do anything by yourself. You can't have the one person that absolutely dominates the game. Um, that person helps, but they still need the assistance of someone else getting the ball to them can't touch the ball more than once in a row. So someone else has to help you out. Um, so to me, it's just always been the ultimate team sport. Yeah, it is. It, as I said, it's so much fun. We play it all the time, especially in the summer. And it's, it's just crazy when the ball just starts flying everywhere. And again, we're not, we're not the best at playing by the rules. So if someone hits it over and it's going to run out, yeah, we'll run to the other side of the court and we'll hit it back over to make sure. But it is, it is just such a blast. And, and in high school, um, I was very lucky. My senior year, our women's a girls high school volleyball team was awesome so we like just a group of us would just get together and go to all the home games and we would just scream our faces off because they were all our really good friends right we're seniors we don't care nothing matters because we're going to college the next year um, right. and it was just so much fun to go and cheer for them and the girls and watch them and they were really good too which helped so then at one point we would start to travel with them and all the other parents would hate the heck out of us because like 25 dudes would roll up and we're just screaming at this other volleyball team. It has been, it's been one of my favorite sports for so long. And, you know, I think, it, I think it's awesome, I guess. Did you, like when you, when you finally, like what, tell, tell me the story of when you actually did find the sport and, and when it clicked, you're like, I kind of want to do this for a little while. Sure. So when I first started playing, uh, was in gym class like everybody else. And I just, I loved it. I thought it was really something really neat. I was kind of a gym class superstar. So here I thought I was going to be great at it. Um, so just kind of ran with it. And it was also something that I could make my own. Um, my dad was a, a basketball player. My mom was a cheerleader, not much of a, a team sport person outside of cheerleading, but um, I didn't have to hear about the other sports that I played that my parents maybe knew something about uh, with volleyball. It was something I could make my own. I believe my dad's exact line when I told him I wanted to play volleyball exclusively was, are you just going to play on the women's team? Because he didn't even realize that we had a men's team um, at my high school. So, I mean, it was just, it was something that I could make my own. And my coach, um, I went to, to Eastern High School in Southern New Jersey and the coach there has been, he's been doing it forever. Um, he runs the volleyball in the state of New Jersey among the high schools. He has, he's just an authority on the sport. And I learned so much from him quickly that I just wanted to run with it. And I loved it. I um, was fortunate enough to have men's volleyball in New Jersey. It's not, 
very common uh, everywhere else. There's, there's pockets of it in our country. Obviously, it's really big on the West Coast, big in Chicago and St. Louis, but not as much um, really on the East Coast. It's growing, thankfully, yep. um, but not as much there. So I was fortunate enough to have it and just fell in love with it and, and took off. It was a blast. That is awesome. And yeah, my high school, as I said, that we didn't have a, we had a girls team, obviously. We did not have a guys team. The high school down the road from us did have a guys team. And I have some friends now who were actually on the team and they were all just like tall, lanky dudes. So it, it worked out pretty well for them, but uh, it's, it's an interesting sport and I've always, I've always enjoyed it. And it's really cool. And, and it's interesting how you say like, it's something you wanted to be your own, right? Like I, <laughs> my parents can't say, Oh, you know, uh, you know, when I played baseball, I was like, Oh, well, why didn't you try for the double play there? Why didn't you do this, that, and the other thing? It's like, all right, mom, I get it. Like I messed up. I'm seven. What do you want from me? Like, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny how you're able to say like, not dad, like I got this and you guys can watch, but you know, my coach will teach me what I need to do and how I need to do it. Exactly. It's, you know, and there's, there's such value in that um, because you learn so much about yourself as a kid. I mean, you're doing something that you can't go home and search for help on. I mean, what you learn that day and what you learn from your coach is it. And you want to learn more, you got to do it on your own. It's great. Uh, I loved not having the, the external feedback once I left the gym doors and entered the home doors. Yep, absolutely, man. I like that. <laughs> very nice, very nice. So, Zach, um, did you always want to be a coach? Like, what was your what was your playing career like? And was that kind of, hey, probably not going to go professional, might not make the Olympic team, so, I, you know, the next best thing? Right. My playing career, um, I played my four years of high school. I had some small school offers to play um, some Division three ball in college, but I wanted to go to a big university. Um, I knew that about myself Forever. My high school was huge. I wanted to stay in kind of that big atmosphere. And so those two didn't match up. You don't find a lot of huge Division three universities. So I went the academic route. Um, I was going to be a sport management major. I knew that. And Ohio has one of the premier sport management uh, programs in the country. Um, so it was just kind of a match. And I went to Ohio University, Athens, Ohio, uh, hometown of Joe Burrow, probably future number one pick. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I immediately got involved with our sport business association. Um, which led me to meet the current student manager with the the volleyball team there. And I was playing club while at Ohio. I ended up uh, running the club actually for a year and a half, uh, which was kind of neat. That was my first foray into both the administrative side and kind of the head coaching career aspect of it. Um, but when I met the student manager, he was a graduating senior and we were on the quarter system at Ohio. So after basically November of my freshman year, he was done and I needed somebody. And so I got in touch with the, uh, with the head coach. I, was came on that winter as a student manager was quickly made the student assistant coach um, after my first season there. And that really became my coaching career, but I did not always want to be a coach. Um, I didn't know that was even an option until really that experience. I always wanted to work in basketball, which um, was, it's kind of funny because I was a huge Phillies fan. I love the Phillies. That was my team, but I wanted to work in basketball. And so when I graduated and I had an offer to work for the magic and I had an offer to be a graduate assistant at Temple um, in Philly with the volleyball team. And so it was kind of like the crossroads of my career is do I stay with the volleyball route or do I go into the NBA and ultimately just had to kind of follow a dream there. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to work in basketball, had the opportunity to work in basketball. Why not? Exactly. Um, Temple, Temple will always be there, man. Um, exactly. I know that there's always, there's always another opportunity uh, in, in super high, demand 
jobs like ticket sales i mean they're they're always going to come up but you know did you want to live in phoenix did you want to live in milwaukee you know it's just one of those mm -hmm. things where the jobs come up if you're willing to move for them you can get them um and clearly that was the opportunity you had to work with the magic so you were with the magic for a couple seasons if i'm not one season two seasons uh parts of two seasons okay, yeah i got okay. i got there in march of 2012 um for the end of the regular season into the playoff run um i was there through the dwight howard exodus which as a ticket sales rep was not ideal as you yes. can imagine um, uh -huh. and then for the 2013 season which was not good post dwight howard yeah so yeah parts of two seasons but a year overall mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but did they did the magic go to the championship that year or was it the year prior it was uh, two, years prior? two years prior yeah okay. that year they lost to the pacers if i'm not mistaken in the first okay. round of the playoffs all right yeah that is unfortunate because I, I remember it you, had, you everyone always forgets dwight howard actually did make it to an nba title or he made it to a championship round like kind of forget that um and now you know hopefully the magic make it again it's, they're a fun team to watch i don't know if you still have any uh ties or any love for them because you worked there for a little bit but I think it's a it's a it's a cool you know Orlando's a place it's definitely a place right it's it was such a unique experience because no one that's from Orlando or that lives in Orlando is from Orlando mm -hmm. it is such a transplant market and so you're selling tickets to a team that really has no true fan base you either come there and adopt them or you are from there and you moved away um, those people aren't buying tickets anymore it is at the time I believe it was the only team in the NBA with a tourism department in the ticket sales. Uh, arena. So because they have some people coming from outside, you're competing with obviously, you know, Disney and SeaWorld and Universal. Well, you need more than just a regular ticket sales rep to get those people in the door. So they had a tourism department to try and get people. Uh, it was a really unique experience. And I learned so much from it. I learned that it was not my calling. <laughs> I learned um, just sales, sales tactics and uh, ways to just analyze your situation that have carried over into the volleyball side, uh, even though the two could not be any more different. Oh, no, so, but there's there's ways to learn, right? There's always ways absolutely. to learn and take that information and move forward with it. Absolutely. And it's, you know, recruiting now is sales um, in, in any field, but especially um, in college recruiting. I mean, I'm selling a, a, a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid on why our institution is the best choice for her over the next four or five years. And her parents have to be okay with that because they're sending their daughter away. And so I learned so much in selling tickets that I can use and apply to recruiting an athlete to Tennessee Tech. Bet you would have never thought when you were 22, 23 years old coming out of college, like, you know, I might use this one day. Um, it's something <laughs> not, else, but not in the slightest. Right. Oh, it's too funny. So how, um, how did you get the job with the magic? I'm always curious, like how people break in, as I said, like with ticket sales specifically, I've known people that have literally been ticket agents in four different markets in three years, right? Like mm -hmm. those jobs come up. If you're willing to go get them, you can have them. Um, so how did you go about, you know, finding this job and ultimately taking it? Sure. So my senior year at Ohio, Ohio was, like I said early, really well connected within the sport uh, industry. Um, there was a, a, a sales combine in Cleveland at, uh, it was co-hosted, whatever the Indian stadium is now, I think it's Progressive Field. Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. there and there was a, a number of teams there from all different sports, all different markets across the country. And it's hosted by Mount Union. Um, and you, we went, we sent a, a big group of graduating seniors uh, from Ohio to the sport combine. And you can make like 15 minute interviews with all these different teams ahead of time. So you could have six, seven, eight interviews over the course of the day. And it's like, it's like job industry speed dating. I was going to say it speed is, dating. 
yes, it's basically speeding. It's what can you tell me about you? What can what do you need to know about me? How can we make this work? Great, thanks for your time. Um, and the Magic was one of the teams that was there. Uh, I met with them, and that one just felt right from the get go. Um, there, the, the HR person who they sent was a rock star, and she was just great at portraying the Magic's vision at what it was at the time. And so I talked with her. It was a good conversation over the 15 minutes. Heard from her, I think like a week later, and they offered me a job. And I think I accepted it and was in Orlando in like two and a half weeks. I mean, it was just a crazy turnaround. But yeah, that's how I got connected to them. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to me how people do get their jobs in sports because that's always one thing I want to touch upon too here is, you know, make sure people listening, whether they're, they're high school, college, or, or career changers, um, there's op- opportunities in sports and a lot of different things. So it's always nice to hear how people get in. And I guess, you know, you said ticket sales wasn't your calling. Um, which is understandable. You know, I, those ticket reps call me all the time and not, I'm, I'm usually very nice to them, but I'm usually like, honestly, man, I'm not going to buy tickets. Like, I'm sorry. It's not, mm-hmm. not buying any more tickets. They're too expensive. It's not, not for me, but I mean, you knew you weren't going to be a ticket sales rep the rest of your life. Right. So, so why did you think, you know, okay, you know, this was fun. I'm glad I got to spend some time in the NBA, even if it was kind of a true dream of yours, I assume it wasn't to just be a ticket sales rep. You know, no, <laughs> no offense to those guys and girls out no. there, but I'm sure that's not their ultimate goal too. So what, did you have a, a spot in the NBA or in an organization that you wanted to get to or, you know, anything like that? I mean, obviously with tickets being the, the entry level that most people have to go through anyway. Right. I really didn't. Um, I had, you know, the front office, Avenue always intrigued me, but I had no basketball experience past like early stage of high school. Um, and I understand the game. I can watch it and see what's going on, but I don't, I don't think like a coach. I couldn't think like a general manager of that sport. And so really I took the, the ticket sales job as just a foot in the door. Um, maybe I meet someone from another department, we get to talking and, and something opens up and I can segue over there. But you know, th- that never happened and I'm okay with that. Um, that was, I, like I said earlier, I learned a lot in the ticket sales role about just sports and how they operate, mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Um, but the that role wasn't for me, and at that point, I just really missed the game yeah. of volleyball, which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That was that was the deciding factor and ultimately getting out. That is my next question. I mean, with with what you learned there, and and wh- how did that next opportunity come about? If I'm not mistaken, it was with Northwestern State, right, as a graduate there- assistant. It was, there was a high school job in between there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I left the magic um, after a year, actually without anything lined up and moved back home um, to Southern New Jersey. And there was a high school that had just started a program the year before um, the coach of their inaugural season. Didn't know a thing about volleyball. He was their swimming coach and he was a warm body that could help start the program. So really, even though it was year two, I was getting them from the, from the ground level. Mm-hmm. And so that was, my first job back into volleyball um, and it was a bunch of kids eyes wide open that wanted to get better and were not good. So it was a lot of fun to just get back in the gym and learn just about myself as a coach. At that point, I think I was 23 or 24 maybe. And so I was young enough to realize that I knew nothing uh, while at the same time thinking I knew everything, which Mm -hmm. obviously I did not. And that, that segued into my Northwestern state job. Um, The head coach at Ohio, who I worked for as a student assistant um, knew the head coach at Northwestern state. He knew they were looking for a GA. I was looking to get back into college I gave him a call and it just kind of worked itself out. That's awesome. I ended up at NSU. 
Shout out to those high school kids. Coach Weinberg says you stink, but uh, he made you so much better. So I think that's the most, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, that is, that is pretty awesome though. And I mean, at 23, being able to take that position only five years out of high school, six years out of high school yourself. Um, that is a pretty, pretty interesting way of going about it. I mean, you were, how long were you at that position for a year? One season. Yep. One season. So August to December, um, I got the NSU job in December and then headed down to Louisiana and, uh, in January of that, that following year. Mm-hmm. And so with, with that, I mean, that's really your first taste of coaching, right? Like that's your first time you had that opportunity. Did you fall in love with it immediately? Um, especially with that, you know, a, a fledgling program that you pretty much can just kind of shape and mold however you'd like. I totally did. Um, we won our first two matches that year, which, Whoa. Made me the, yeah, which made me the all time winning right? history. Um, so it was, but, just like, but it was, how many did you win after that though? Uh, we finished the season nine and ten. We oh, made the okay. state. All right. We, all right. we made right. the state tournament. I just wanted um, we to make sure it wasn't first two, and then you know you guys lost everything from there. So it was, uh, yeah. It, like I said earlier, New Jersey was not the biggest powerhouse of volleyball, um, so it, it didn't take a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But and you said to be, you had to have a five hundred record to get into the state tournament. We were nine and nine. We were in great. I think we were the last seed playing the top seed, and our playoff match lasted twenty five minutes, maybe. But um, yeah. hey, we were there. Exactly. We were there. Got to get there. But yeah, I fell in love with it instantly. Um, it's, that was the first time I really got to see what shaping young minds from an athletic side could, could be like. Um, and that ultimately made me want to do it full time. Um, it was just, it's such a cool experience to help a kid get through a skill that they might, don't under, they, they might not understand. And you do it with them and you do it with them. And that aha moment, the first time it clicks for them. And you see it, you see it in their eyes, you see the result on the court, but I mean, better yet, you just kind of see their smile and like you see that they figured it out, whether they verbalize that or not, they figured it out. And it's such a neat moment from a coaching perspective. And I just wanted more of them. I wanted to do it full time and just kind of be immersed in that. That's awesome. And any athlete out there knows exactly what that moment's like, right? Like everybody, like first time someone threw a curveball at me, I was like, what the hell is going on? How does this thing move like that? And then the first time I got a hit off one, I was like, all right, hell yeah. But it was because of all the practice, right? It was, it was all the opportunities that, that the coaches spent time with me to teach me and, and, and help me learn exactly what you need to do and how you need to do it. Uh, and that aha moment is really cool. So, you know, you're working with, you know, high school students. I mean, I'm assuming some of them were 15, 16 years old at the time, like really being able to help them at such a weird period of your life is also really, really nice, um, nice opportunity. So you do get the opportunity over at Northwestern State. Where exactly is, you said Louisiana, Northwestern State? Northwestern Louisiana? State is in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Um, it is, yep, it is in the exact right. point between Shreveport and Alexandria and the Northwestern part of the state. Um, it is impossible to spell. It's a really tiny town um, that I think it's like 18,000 people or something. I mean, it is tiny. Uh, it makes the town that I live in now look huge. Huh. And, but it's a division one program. They compete in the Southland conference um, against some, some pretty big school. I mean, Stephen F. Austin is usually the Southland program that most people have heard of. Um, it's in the sister city of Natchitoches and Nacogdoches. And so that was, that's kind of the one that people know, but it was an up and coming program. They had had a good year the year before um, kind of had some, some high expectations for the 2014 season when I got down there. And yeah, I mean, it was totally a culture shock for uh, a kid from, from Southern New Jersey to go down to Northwest Louisiana. I had never stepped foot in the state prior to that. I took the job site on scene. So I hadn't even seen what I was walking into when I get there day one. And it was an interesting place. I mean, it was a great two and a half years. I experienced a ton both about myself, ways 
that I handled things well, ways I didn't handle things well mm -hmm. while getting a master's degree. I mean, it was, it was a really comprehensive two and a half year experience that I'm really grateful for. I met my wife there. I met my best friend there. Um, so it was, yeah, it, it was a pretty cool place for a lot of reasons. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thankfully you got, you got a couple good stories out of it too. Uh, obviously, you know, your wife, um, that, that, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, sight unseen too. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, again, you were going there as a graduate assistant. So as you said, you were in school, still. So you were getting your master's degree. Uh, so you're getting something out of it no matter what. So worst comes to worst, even if the volleyball program was just awful and you were just there to get, get some exercise and some, some opportunities, at least you got a master's degree out of it as well. And, uh, what, what's it like, how was it going from, so we're in, Southern New Jersey, Ohio, Orlando, Southern New Jersey to now Louisiana, random Louisiana, yep, not even like New Orleans Louisiana. or anything. Right. Random Louisiana. I mean, that's, that's a lot in only what, like four years, I think. Yeah, that happened. That. I, mean, I left Ohio in March of 2012. And by January, 2014, I had moved three times and was now in Louisiana. And so, yeah, nice. I mean, it was, yeah. it was three big moves in basically uh, 18 months. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot. Um, it's kind of been the story of my career. I've moved all over the country. Ultimately, I wasn't expecting that. But yeah, it, the, the one thing I really love about collegiate athletics, and I, I saw it as a bit as a player. I saw it as a student assistant. I saw it just in, in my travels before I even really dove into collegiate coaching was the experiences of going to places and seeing things that you never would have otherwise. And so for me, that's what Northwestern State was. It was a town I couldn't pronounce or spell at the time that was in a place I had never been to, had no reason to go to otherwise, and instantly it was my home. And so how do you learn from that? How do you adapt to that culture and that atmosphere um, in a town that you know nothing about and people know nothing about you? Um, so it's, it's just such a, a beautiful part of athletics that most people don't really think about. I mean, you think mm -hmm. about the, the fans and you think about the scoreboard and, and everything that goes into the competitive aspect of volleyball, but not everything behind it. Um, and so that was, yeah, it became my home. And so a lot of moving, but it was really cool. Yeah, that is, that is awesome. And that, that is a lot of moving. Um, I haven't even moved that many times in my entire life, let alone 18 <laughs> months. So good for you, man. Uh, that, that is very impressive as a graduate assistant. So what, what exactly is the role of a graduate assistant? Now, the next time I'm watching a game and see that person on the bench or behind the bench, I can at least be like, I kind of know what you're going through a little bit. Sure. It depends really on the program. Um, some programs have... So a fully funded staff has a head coach in volleyball, at least a head coach, two full-time assistant coaches, and maybe have a director of ops. That director of ops is a non-coaching position. So a program like, like Northwestern State didn't have two full-time assistants. So the graduate assistant in that role is a full-fledged coaching role. Um, you're getting your degree, but at the same time, you're learning how to coach at that level. Now, a graduate assistant at a Power 5 school where they have a fully funded staff is maybe helping with you know, some coordination stuff, some travel, and some director of ops type uh, responsibilities. They might get to do some coaching from behind a desk, but you can only have so many um, active coaches on the court. So at a smaller school, a graduate assistant role actually kind of plays a much larger role in the program because you are a coach. I mean, you are one of the people giving instruction every day. In some situations, you're doing some recruiting. You are you know, heading out and representing the program. Um, and the logo that's on your shirt in front of, you know, the whole volleyball country. So um, at a program like Northwestern State, a graduate assistant role was really a great jumping point into my career because I could do everything that a full-time assistant could do. 
That's awesome. That is really awesome. Just that opportunity at 24 years old, especially after finding the love for this, to be a coach in the sport that you've enjoyed for a very long time. It's really cool that you were able to get that opportunity, as you said, through um, the head coach at Ohio, right? If yep. I'm not mistaken, he yep. introduced you to the gentleman or, or the woman down there. And, and that's how you were able to get that coaching position. So you went from second year of a brand new high school program, right to a division one program, but towards the lower end. And then yes. your next move, if I'm not mistaken, was to UNLV going out. Now, now we're, now we're talking about real schools. I mean, UNLV is very well known across the nation. I mean, those are three pretty big jumps. It seems like in a very short period of time. I mean, what was it like again, going from high school to D one? Uh, Cause we really didn't talk about that difference. And then again, mm-hmm. the difference jumping to, to UNLV. Yeah. So I think had it not been for my experience at Ohio, the high school to D1 jump would have been serious. Um, thankfully, Ohio, when I was there, we were a top 40 program in the country nationally. And so I was exposed to some pretty competitive Division One matches. I'd been a part of three NCAA tournaments. Um, we had two NCAA tournament wins. We won a conference championship with a regular season or tournament all four years I was at Ohio. So I had the experience uh, from a non-coaching role of kind of a big division one program. So I knew the ins and outs, but I didn't know what it meant to be a coach at that level. Um, so going, yes, from the high school role to the division one world as a coach, uh, a bit eye opening when you are, some of the kids that you are coaching have learned, you, know, you may have like one great piece of feedback that you've given to these high school kids and they love you for it. And then, you know, you tell these kids that is a senior in college and they look at you like, I learned that three years ago. I mean, who are you and, and why are you here? So it's an adjustment period. Um, I had to sit back and learn, which was not something I was good at right away. Um, I wanted to, every coach comes in and wants to make an impact on the new program. They come in with a bunch of ideas and you have to be both an idea man and an execution man. And at that point I was not an execution man. I had no idea how to execute what I wanted to do. And I learned that in my jump to division one, which I think might've been more valuable than had I gone in there with a bunch of ideas and was able to do everything because I needed to learn how to execute what I wanted to do and, and what my vision could be. So the jump wasn't as drastic as it could have been, um, but I did learn a ton in those first couple of years of how to basically put onto paper what I had in my head. Um, paper being a you know, 900 square foot volleyball court, but still put out there what I wanted to do. Yeah, that, that, is, that is awesome, man. That's a really good insight understanding for everyone out there that everybody's got an idea. It's, it's all the execution of the idea, uh, right? And, and learning how to execute is a very valuable skill for a lot of people, and especially as a coach in the sports industry, really in any industry, if we're being honest. Um, learning how to execute those ideas is the most important thing because we all have these grandiose, incredible ideas, and I'm sure we all come by. Everyone's got a million-dollar idea, right? I have friends that are just like, this will make us a million bucks. I was like, all right, then go do it. Like if right. you think it's going to do something, then go do it. Don't just tell me you're going to, you know, you have this idea and then you're going to go do your nine to five every day. Like that's not how it works, man. Try and execute it. So um, everybody's got an idea. And I think it's cool that as, as you stated, you learned how to execute those ideas. And that was really important. And then, so after a couple of years at uh, Northwestern State as a GA, get your master's degree as well. Congratulations mm-hmm. on that. And then you. you hop over to UNLV. Um, so again, still division one, but now we're talking, I'm assuming a little bit more money involved. People have heard of the little city called Las Vegas. Um, not, not quite where you're, again, I, I'm never going to try and even pronounce the name of this state, uh, city. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, fair. Um, you know, hopping over to now a major city now, you know, an incredible place, bright lights and everything. 
really well-known Division One school. What was what was that transition then like? And how did you even come about that job? So the coach that hired me at Northwestern State, um, that first season there, we actually ended up winning the conference championship on our home court. Um, we got to go to the NCAA tournament. They had the opportunity to move on um, to – they took the coach, head coaching job at Clemson. Um, it was a husband-wife duo, so they went together. And the coach that we ended up hiring, um, who was still a great friend of mine, uh, had been an assistant at UNLV uh, 10 years prior or whatever it was. And he knew very briefly the coaches that were there. Um, and when I was looking for jobs, you know, the, the thing about a graduate assistantship is it, is it has a cutoff date. Um, you are a coach while you're getting your, your schooling, but the second your schooling is done, well, so is your position because they need to refill that with someone else. And so I, I was using every avenue that I had to help find my next job. And um, he was more than willing to help. And so he made a call to the head coach at UNLV. Um, her name was Cindy, Cindy Frederick. She had been coaching. She had 20-something years at, at Washington State. She had coached Iowa. Um, she basically built the Weber State program from the ground up. So she was a big-time She was a big time coach. She was a big deal. She was a very household name. And he got me an interview with her, uh, a phone interview. And I took the phone interview. Um, crazy enough, it was another husband-wife head coaching situation. She coached with her husband, which I said after I did it the first time, I would never do it again. Here I am doing it two years later. But I talked with them, and I thought I bombed the interview. Uh, it was, in my mind, the worst phone interview I'd ever given. I couldn't answer a question to save my life. And she calls me a week later and asks me if I want to come out and visit Vegas. They thought I crushed the phone interview. Cool. I had never been to Vegas. Awesome. I was like, what better time to go to Vegas than for an interview and go check it out? My father takes a trip out there every year for a real estate convention. It was going on at the exact same time my interview was. So my dad went out there. My brother went out there. I did my interview and I got to hang out with them and experience Vegas as a family. But I get the interview. I get out there. I was one of two finalists and they offered me the job on the spot. And it was a really cool moment. Um, they had a, a bag of gear waiting for me right after I said yes. Yeah. So I got to put on the, you know, the scarlet of, uh, of UNLV and uh, th that day really and moved to Vegas. That's Vegas, awesome. Baby. Vegas, baby. Don't tell me about that family trip either. Um, I don't want to know anything about it, but I'm sure it was great. And so, so you, it was another assistant. This is your first full-time assistant head coaching job, correct? Yes. Okay. So husband and wife duo again, you're at UNLV for a couple seasons. What, mm -hmm. what was it? What was it like? Again, what was that transition? What was that jump like going up to now, especially in the level of talent and the level of player? Um, and I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming the coaches at you know, Northwestern State were fantastic, but I also have to assume this woman, as you said, powerhouse in the industry. What was it like being able to work for someone like her as well? It was really cool to see how someone that has built programs that everyone knows, everyone knows Washington State, everyone knows Iowa. Um, you're talking two of the biggest Power Five conferences to see how it's done at that level um, because they were not going to let UNLV be you know, a quote unquote mid-major. They were going to operate it like we were in the Pac-12, like we were in the Big Ten. And I was coming along for the ride or I was going to be left behind. And what was neat about that husband-wife duo is, you know, they were both on the experience side, you know, together. Um, they had like more years of experience. I mean, by themselves, they had more years of experience than years I had been alive. But then, so you put them together and it's like these coaches have, you know, 70 years of division one coaching experience. I know that I have a lot to learn from them. And so it was a really cool experience to be able to sit back a little bit and see how it's done at the highest level. 
And yes, like you said, more, I mean, obviously to go from Natchitoches to Vegas is a culture shock in its own right. But I grew up right outside Philadelphia, like I said earlier. So I had been in a big city. I hadn't been in that big city. Um, I was going to say, man, I've been to Philly. Let's come on. Let's cool down. Uh, with the big city. Uh, all, right, all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I wasn't under the lights. I mean, pun intended, I guess the lights of the strip campus is a mile and a half from the strip. You know, you go five minutes South and you're on campus. And so it was the coolest, the coolest view is you walk out of Thomas and Mack center where my office was, um, you know, super famous arena, huge boxing matches have happened there and you walk out at nighttime after a match and you just see the strip lights all right there and it's it was a really eye-opening experience it was really cool that was the first time in my career that I was just like stopped dead in my tracks and just looked around so like this is my job I get to I'm living in Las Vegas I'm walking out basically onto the Las Vegas strip and I'm doing what I love at a crazy high level. We were really, really good my first year there. Um, and I, I just wasn't even expecting that. Um, I was expecting to, at that point I had known Northwestern State was a rebuild. Um, Ohio had some, I mean, we were good. We were really good. We weren't top level good. Um, that was my first experience into what top level good could be. And so it was just a really cool time of my life to be able to sit back and say I'm in Vegas in the city that in this market that everyone knows in the school that has a huge brand nationwide coaching volleyball I mean it doesn't get any better than this that is awesome I mean literally in a span of three years you went from coaching again a fledgling program in southern New Jersey that essentially just started to now Mm -hmm. coaching at UNLV one of the best schools um, in the nation at the time as you said that especially that first year there so it's always cool to kind of look back on those things and just see and and you know, obviously you kept going, right? So you're at UNLV for a couple of years. Again, going back to the talent aspect of it, actually. So I apologize. That's one thing I'm not great at. I'll ask like four questions uh, and then, you know, you only answer two of them. I'm like, well, you know, I had other questions, right? But that, that, that one's on me. So um, the, the talent, what was that like seeing, again, so you get to Northwestern State and you're like, oh, you know, you should do this, that, or the other thing. And like, we learned that three years ago. I'm assuming this was another jump in talent, if not two jumps in talent. What was it like working with these girls now and, and what they were capable of and, and learning you had more to learn as a coach and how to coach them. Right. The biggest change in that, in the skill level of going from, from a, a lower D1 into the, the highest of mid-major D1 is not necessarily the technicality of the sport. I mean, ultimately you're trying to accomplish the same thing. It's the physicality of it. Um, now you're going from, you know, a kid that's let's take an outside hitter for example an outside hitter at northwestern state our best player was five nine she was pretty springy and had some shots that she could score with but we play some bigger schools and those shots don't work now you're going to a unlv where that same position is you're looking at a kid that's like six two and just a physical monster um, our best player was actually at unlv was a little undersized but she was a physical specimen i mean she could jump like nobody's business. She was strong as heck and she would just take over matches on her physicality alone. And that, that type of player was not something I had experienced before because even in Ohio, we had some great players. We hadn't had, had not had anyone that physical. And so it was learning how to fine tune someone that physical to be really technical as well. Um, There's a fine balance there because you can get by on your physicality and you can do things without a little technicality, but you can only go so far. And so it's how do I not hamper your physicality by teaching you something that's a little, maybe for lack of a better term, weird for you 
and get you better at volleyball itself. Um, that was my biggest adjustment going into that role. Absolutely. And I, I totally understand that. Um, just, just as an example. So we were talking about Joe Burrow before. Um, I think he is a great quarterback. Um, I think Tua is also a great quarterback, but you can tell Tua is just supremely talented. I don't know how well he knows how to play football though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of that exact same thing where you can be supremely talented and get by just on talent, especially up to that level. But there's that next step where really being able to play and as you said being very technical or at least technical to a point that fits your body and fits what you've been able to do can help again just bring you to that next level so that's really interesting um that's really interesting i didn't realize it was a lot of the the physicality aspect of it and i guess as a coach that probably makes it really easy but then you have to also look at the flip side as well then you're probably playing schools that have those types of athletes as well so how was the balance between that like oh wow this is so much easier from a from an offensive or a defensive standpoint, and then being like, well, now we need to make sure that they're capable of, of you know, combating that on the other side. Right. It was really cool because, um, so my, the, the first year at UNLV, um, we started 11 and 0 and we, we got off to, you know, to a great start. We played a couple schools that had either been in the conference I just came from or were from conferences that I were familiar with. So I was like, this is great. I, I know this level of play. Um, I know what it's like to, take the court against this type of player and need to do this to beat them. And we did that at the beginning of the season. Then our 12th match, we ran into BYU, who is a volleyball powerhouse um, on both the men's and women's side. They were at the time a top 10 team in the country when we played them and they took it to us. And it was, that was really like, okay, that is a team of just physical monsters. Um, They had a freshman who is, now just finished playing and is in the national team gym. She was actually on the senior national team this past summer with a year of college eligibility still remaining. So I mean, she's that good. Um, they had a kid for who was a candidate for national freshman of the year. They had two first team all Americans. I mean, you're looking at a team across the net that that has it together and they know what it's like to play and win at that level. Um, so that was the first match that was like, <laughs> Oh damn, I took a jump in level here and it's going to take some big work. And then Colorado State, who is in the same conference as UNLV, is a traditional power as well. They've been to 25 or whatever it is straight NCAA tournaments. Um, they know what it's like to win at that level. And so we played two great matches against them that year. And that was a really cool taste of night in, night out. This is what I'm preparing to beat mm-hmm. um, as a team like this. That's awesome. Yeah, it's always very interesting, especially just to, especially because your, your experience led you so far so quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, just a few years back, you were playing you know, against high school boys that had no idea how to play the sport. And now again, as you said, you're playing against people that have the opportunity to play for the senior national team. Uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to see how all of that happens. So you're at UNLV for a couple of years, obviously mm-hmm. working under um, that coach, as you said, I apologize, Cynthia, if I'm not mistaken, C- Cindy said, Frederick, yep. Cindy Frederick. Okay. Thank you. And, and she, she was able to, you know, her and her husband able to show you the ropes a little bit, as you said, they know more about volleyball than you know about life at this point, <laughs> considering yep. the age and the, and the time in the sport. What, um, what made the decision easy to say, you know, here's this job over at Tennessee Tech. Um, I want to now move back across the country and, uh, and you know, take up this role in this position over here. Yeah, so the, um, I guess the great thing and the, the, the downside of collegiate athletics at a high level is that it's extremely fickle and it's very volatile. And there's a lot of turnover. And we got a new athletic director um, at UNLV during my second season. Um, After our great 2016 season, we graduated a huge core of talent. 
And we had a rebuilding year of 2017. We went from a second round NCAA tournament team, so a top 32 team in the country, to an under 500 team that was learning how to compete night in, night out with seven freshmen on the court. And all it took was you know, one rebuilding year and a new AD to say, this is not the direction we want to go, and relieved my bosses of their duties. So it was just me on staff. And at that moment, I'm like, well, this is survival mode, and I need to find another job because that's how this industry works, unfortunately. Um, so through that same Ohio uh, connection, uh, my, my mentor there, he was, he's now, he at the time, and still currently the head coach at Marquette. Um, so he segued Ohio into Marquette. Uh, he connected me with my current boss, who I had never met before. He only knew very briefly, but we talked on the phone. It was supposed to be just a, hi, I'm so-and-so talking to so-and-so. Let's chat about volleyball and what you're looking for briefly. It turned into a 55-minute phone conversation like we'd known each other forever. And uh, it felt right. Again, like it did you know, earlier in my career, I'd go kind of off my gut. Um, it felt right. Let's do it. And she asked me, uh, my boss now, her name is Jeanette Waldo. She asked me on my interview, my, my phone interview after the first initial conversation. So if you had to build your dream job responsibilities, what would it be? And so I laid out everything that I wanted to do. You know, at this point, I had four seasons of true division one coaching under my belt. I knew what I was good at. I knew what I really liked and what I wanted to do in my next program. Some of those things I hadn't done before, but I knew I wanted to do them. I laid those out for her. She said, great, you can do all those things. <laughs> I said, awesome. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear. Uh, was it though? Were, were you just saying all those things because you wanted to impress her on the interview or uh, no, I'm no, kidding. I'm kidding. So I, it was, you know, as, when people say that, though, it's like, yeah, you know, I'll promise you the world. And it's like, all right, cool, go do it. You know, it's like, oh, shoot, I thought we had a couple of years, but that's pretty right. Funny. No, it was tell me your dream, your dream job, job responsibilities. You want to do those things? Great. You're responsible for those things if you come aboard. Well, shoot, Deal. let's do this thing. Yeah, that's um, awesome. You know, I at the time I was engaged to my now wife. So the only thing holding me back was that she could not leave Vegas. Um, she was in a physical therapy assistant program in Vegas. She had to finish that out. That was going to be another year before she could join me. So the big hang up on moving back across the country was going to be from a personal side and not a professional side. She knew that it was a great opportunity for me. So she basically ushered me out the door and said, you have to do this. And so I went to Tennessee. I'm currently still doing all those things that I laid out in my job description. And, uh, and my wife joined me shortly after we got married. Um, and we're you know, making a nice little life for ourselves in Cookville and uh it's exciting and it's it's a great it. place to be that's good stuff man that is really cool uh, just out of curiosity especially because it sounded like you were having you had very good rapport you had a great time with the the previous head coach what is the industry like when a when a head coach goes somewhere normally at least in in other programs like football just because that's the one I pay attention to most in college normally people take their staff with them in, in mm -hmm. most situations. Was this just, you know, Hey, this was fun, but I want different opportunities or, Hey, you know, we're going to take a year off. Like what, what were those conversations like just out of curiosity? Sure. So, um, like I said, they were, they were a little bit on the older side. Um, so when they like got let go at UNLV, um, they actually decided to retire their ah, son. Okay. Their son is a, an assistant basketball coach at Colorado state. Um, so they actually ended up moving to, uh, to Fort Collins and just kind of do the, the grandma grandpa thing. Well, you know, their kid coaches basketball, which is awesome for them. Um, so at that point, my two biggest resources actually got out of the game. Mm -hmm. So it was a little bit different. You're absolutely correct. When a new head coach comes in, if there were a previous head coach, a lot of the times they do take their whole staff with them. 
Um, or if they're a first-time head coach, they might have one or two people that they've kind of made a list on that they want to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, and my now boss didn't have that. I mean, she was a first-time head coach. Um, she was an assistant that took the jump into the head coaching role. She had hired one other person that she knew and wanted one person that she didn't. And that's where I fell into. So um, it's, it worked out, obviously. I mean, things are good yeah. here at Tech. Um, but yeah, it was when your resources, your, your biggest advocates, because you're right, I had a great report with my previous staff. Um, when they go in a different direction, it was kind of, well, now this is a new, a new path for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, hey, it doesn't yeah. sound like it was that bad. It sounds like you were able to get on your feet relatively quickly, um, which mm-hmm. I think is also really important. And, and, you know, shout out to your new head coaches and shout out to your old head coaches. Good for them. Getting able to Absolutely. take a couple of time, little, little time off. I'm sure they deserve it after all that, um, you know, getting to hang out with their grandkids a little bit. So as we were, we were touched upon it a little bit before, you know, your, your ticket sales um, over with the Magic and now being the recruiting coordinator, it just refresh my memory as an assistant head coach, you do a little bit of recruiting, I'm assuming, right? Like, especially Mm -hmm. in in volleyball. So what, what are the added uh, responsibilities now with the recruiting coordinator at a program? Sure. So at UNLV, we didn't have a designated recruiting coordinator. Everyone kind of did all the recruiting. Um, So I would go out on the road recruiting to, you know, travel across the country and and find uh, players, but we would kind of tag team, the recruiting responsibilities internally, who's doing this campus visit, who's emailing this kid. Well, it's in a position I train, so I'll email her, or it's a position you train, so you email her. Um, As the recruiting coordinator, it kind of starts with me in every aspect. I am making the schedule of who on our staff is going where. I am usually the first point of contact to the student athlete themselves. Um, They usually don't talk to my boss unless they've talked to me first, um, because I don't want to waste her time with a student athlete that's not going to fit, whether it's athletically or personally, or just from a cultural standpoint, is not going to fit into what we're doing at Tech. I'm not going to waste her time talking to that kid. Um, She was a recruiting coordinator in her assistant days, so it's a passion of hers too. So we have a nice relationship there because she still wants to do some of that thing, some of those things. Um, But she has kind of handed off to me. She she was able to teach me a little bit about how she did it. And then I could take that and kind of put my own spin on it, things that I had done previously without the title. Um, because really that's what it is. It's a title. It's, it's a responsibility, uh, but it's just a title. And, yeah. uh, and I know that. So I coordinate on-campus visits. I coordinate um, you know, off-campus evaluations. I do all the tours on my hair. That's a big passion of mine is giving a tour of campus. I don't know where it came from. I just kind of a like an informational, I've always had just like a super duper bank of dumb information in my head and a campus tour is perfect for that because I can tell you everything about the school that you'll only want to hear once. And even then I'm like force feeding it on you. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've all been on those. We've yeah, all been on those tours. I don't walk backwards, so it's not authentic, um, okay, but, okay. Uh, all right, all right. but I'll tell you what you need to know. So I get to do all the, all, all the on-campus tour stuff. I make all of the, uh, the, documents that I'll give to you when you get here, your itinerary, your, you know, fun facts about the team that you need to know, uh, the stuff that looks really good to the parents that the kid might not care about, but that parent's going to see that and go, oh, they do really well in school as a team. I want my kid to be a part of that. I do all that stuff. So that's really where the the, the responsibilities for that title come in. Um, but it was something that I wanted to do. I wanted that experience. Recruiters tend to get the first looks um, when head coaching jobs open because Jobs open for one of two reasons. Either the program is extremely successful and that coach moved on to another success, successful program or that program is 
a bit on the downturn and they're making a change because they need to change direction and literally need to change mm -hmm. direction of where they're going in the standings. Yeah. So if you're going to take a rebuilding program, which a lot of the time is what a first time head coach does, then you need the recruiting side of it. And so that intrigues me. The rebuild as a whole, that the, the science of rebuilding a program intrigues me and it always has. So that's really why I wanted that title. And that's a large focus of what I do here is the recruiting of the kids that are going to help us get to the next level. I love it. That is awesome, man. And yeah, it sounds like, you know, you can hear it in your voice. I can see it in your face. You can feel the energy. You really do thoroughly enjoy what you do, which I think is awesome. That's, that's one of my favorite things, actually listening to people. Don't care what the topic is. Prefer it if it's in sports, but I honestly couldn't care what it's about. Just listening to someone who's super passionate about something that they do, which I think is just a lot of fun. And clearly it, uh, it comes off and, and we can tell that, which I think is great. And so what, so now going from UNLV and kind of, you know, having a really great first year, kind of crappy second year, and now coming over to Tennessee Tech, where, as you said, it was a first-time head coach um, coming into – how again, just, you've done so much in such a short amount of time. What has your experience like been here at Tennessee Tech? It's been incredible. Um, this program was the definition of a rebuild when we took it over. They had won, uh, I think, four matches the year before we got there. They hadn't won a home match in two years. Oh. Um, so there were kids on the team that literally had never tasted a victory on their home court. Um, and so there was nowhere to go, but up. And so we got to come in, hit the ground running. Um, it was unfortunate that my wife couldn't join me when I moved out here, but at the same time for what this program needed, it was great. I was here. I could put in crazy hours, um, which we did because we needed to, um, we came into the program with extremely low expectations. When you win seven matches in two years or whatever it was, administration is not blind to that. They know you're not going to turn it around in a day. So they didn't put expectations on us, but we put expectations on ourselves. We're competitors. We said, this is not where this needs to be. We need to get it here and we need to do it fast. So we had to do a lot of recruiting. Um, we had a huge freshman class that year, which was just kind of a testament to the work we put in on the recruiting trail. And it was, we, we've steadily grown. I mean, our first year when we took over the program, they were in 12th place the year before that out of 12. Um, our first year we missed we finished in ninth. We missed the conference tournament by one game. Had we won on the last day of the season, we would have made the tournament, um, which was would have been a great accomplishment. But Stephen just going from 12th to ninth was great. And then this past year, we finished in a tie for fifth after being picked, I believe, ninth or tenth in the preseason. So it was a, it was a great turnaround year. It was the first winning season um, in winning conference season, and I think six years and the best season since 2008. So. Clearly, we're on the right path. Um, now the expectations are starting to arise from both administration. Say, all those freshmen are now that now they're upperclassmen. Man. Exactly. You bring in a couple kids that you know change the path of your program. Well, those freshmen become sophomores. Those sophomores become juniors, and and you went from having nobody worrying about you. Um, Tennessee Tech was an easy W, and everyone else's schedule. To now that becomes a tough road trip and a tough out for anybody else. And and that's where we want to be. You know, we want to be at the top of the conference. Um, the beautiful thing about the Ohio Valley Conference, the OVC, which we play in, is that there is no true top dog. Um, there's been a different team that's won the tournament championship each of the last four years. So it's up for grabs every single year. Uh, the last two seasons that we've been here, the champion and the last team into the tournament has both been decided on the last day of the, of the season. That's pretty you're cool. Pl you're playing for something every year, yep. every match. 16 matches, they all count the same, but they're all super meaningful. Um, so it's it's a cool place to be just in the sense that we really got to make it our own. And 
Um, I've been blessed to have been given a lot of responsibility in the rebuild. I train many of our positions here, which I really love because I really feel like my hands are in it. And yeah, it's been, I, I can't say more positive things about my, you my got two me plus going, man. here so far. You sold me. I'm in just let where, where's my letter of intent. I'll sign it right now. How's that sound? <laughs> Dude, no, I love it. I love it. It's, it's cool. And it's, it's, re- it's, that's gotta be so much fun just to see, you know, as you said, you know, in your first coaching job, just seeing the aha moment. And now again, literally growing with these girls, this is going to be mm-hmm. the third year that you're going to be there, especially with that, that first class that you personally had a very big hand in recruiting. Now you're going to see them now, now, now they're women, you know, they're 20, 21 years old. They're ready to rock and roll. They know what they can do and just getting better every year. I mean, what's that like from a co- again, knowing that that's the part you enjoy the most, how has that been and that experience been seeing you know, hopefully you're there for another two, well, another four years, of course, every coach is there for another four years, right? Always another four years, but, um, you know, seeing, seeing the growth in them over the first two, and then, you know, hopefully the next two, and then, you know, when they're seniors, I assume you guys should be top dog that year, right? So what, what's that growth been like and having that experience with them? It's been awesome. And we were really fortunate that the team we inherited, even though they were not winning they wanted to, they were ready to work. They needed a change and, um, they were ready to put in the work. Well, they did, um, and they've you know graduated out of the program. But the kids that we brought in behind them had been with us the whole time. Really, I think there's one kid on this team that we did not recruit. Um, she was signed on, and we've kept her. I mean, she's a nice piece of our team. Um, so everyone that is here came with the staff, and they have totally bought into everything we want to do. So we went from my first year, we didn't place a single kid um, on the all-conference team, which was a little to be expected. But last year we placed two on the all-conference team. We had a, a first teamer and a second teamer. And you know, going forward, I think we'll probably have more next year. Um, we, in my opinion, we have the best grouping of middle blockers in the entire uh, the entire conference. And so I would take them over, you know, anybody on any given day in our league. Um, I expect really big things out of all of that grouping. Um, our best player, our, our first team, all OVC kid, is the hardest worker on the team. Um, just this morning, she's a little limited, unfortunately. Uh, body-wise in in the spring season. So she's not jumping as many times as she wants to. And she asked me to come in early before practice this morning so she could do some things on a box and get better. Um, When you see that kind of work ethic on a kid that maybe is not at 100%, but she wants to give 100% of maybe the 50 that she has, then, you know, that's an awesome moment to see is she wants to work her tail off and get better. She was a first-team all-conference kid. She's not satisfied. She wants to be the player of the year next year. She'll be our only senior. Um, so we're still very young. Our, our core is all sophomores and juniors, um, her being the outlier. So you see kids like that that want to work and get better because it's not just us as a staff that want the program to be a certain way. It's the players too. You know, they take ownership of it and they don't want to be in the middle of the conference. They want to be at the top, right? They've seen, unfortunately, the team we lost to in the first round of the conference tournament won the tournament this year. And so Yes, we lost to the champion. Could okay, be worse. it was. It but you could have be beat worse. them, right? Right. You could have exactly. beat them. Yeah. And we beat them in the regular season. So, you know, we learned a lot about ourselves in that first taste of the postseason and what it's like and what it takes to win a conference championship. So now that I think we've tasted, it sounds terrible. We needed to lose in this tournament to see what it's really like to be able to win. That's you know, how it no works. One, no one on this that's, team had tasted victory at that exactly. level. Exactly. Yep. And you need to learn. You need to take your lumps to figure out what it's going to be to be a champion um, because you don't stumble into championships. Exactly. It takes, it takes the drive. It takes learning and all those experiences from before to get there. Exactly. So 
we lose to the champion this year. They see that team win it. They know the things, the little things here and there that change the course of that match. Well, now we're ready for that. Mm -hmm. And so they want to be at the top. We expect to be towards the top and fighting for a championship because that's why we're here. And it's, so it's really cool. And it's great as a coach to see the kids want to be as good as you want them to be. And you hope that they then exceed that. Mm-hmm. Um, which oh, of this, course, right? Which this core is working towards. That's so awesome. it's really exciting going into I next love year. It. I love it. And you're totally right. Like you have to learn how to lose to learn how to win, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not, look at the Golden State Warriors. Like they, they lost a couple times in the playoffs before they became the dominant force. I mean, Clemson football, they lost that first game to Alabama. Incredible game. They lost that first one, right? Like there's right. just so much that went along with every like all of the perennial winners you have to learn learn how to lose jordan didn't win until you know the pistons beat the hell out of him a couple times right, right. You, know, just, you lose the same team three times in a exactly. row exactly you're gonna figure it out eventually exactly right and, and you know and that happens and i think it's awesome that you're 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 taking it like that and so you're watching these girls grow how have you personally grown as as just a as a human but also as a coach over these few years again being able to grow with these girls this group of girls and this program as a whole I've really taken the job at Tech. I, I never really did any personal like learning growth in my previous stops. Um, in my increased role at Tech, I decided that in order to continue to go, I needed to be better myself. And so I got more involved with uh, the AVCA, the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Um, I'm one of the two OVC reps on the assistant coach committee of the AVCA. Um, I go, I went to our ABCA convention, which happens around the final four every year. It's just three straight, four straight days of learning. Um, I have taken on mentors in a mentor mentee program. I've also taken on mentees and talked to them and learn their experiences and how they relate to mine, how I can help them and what I can learn from them. Uh, because ultimately coaching is learning. I mean, if you're, if you're not learning, then you need to move on because if you've if you've capped out, then you have nothing left to teach anybody. Because if you're not learning anything new, you're not teaching anything new. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you got to keep learning, or else you're just it's going to go stale. And so I've really taken um, I've read more, which is not something I've ever done. I'm currently reading um, a book called Why the Best of the Best. Um, it's by uh, Kevin Eastman, who is a fellow Jersey guy. He was a coach at Celtics on their championship team, um, but he's also uh, done some just some leadership things and um so just you know little books like that trying to take in every little information that i can learn to help me be better um i'm writing more um, i'm writing for the avca i'm on our professional development subcommittee so i get to write blogs that uh, people then get to read and, and comment and i get to learn from their comments so just trying to do things above and beyond the scope of my job that are all going to relate to my job and, and make me better and really i learn every day from the kids Um, the players are maybe the biggest source of our learning because every player is different and you have to learn how to coach them, how to connect with them. Um, I think I have a really good connection with our team. They, I'm the only male on our staff. So they see me in a different light. Um, especially, I mean, I'm, they already see me in a different light about to be a father. So they're all like all over the fatherhood thing and they want um, that relationship and they want to meet my kid. And so that's just a neat Avenue that I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting from the team. Um, so I learn a ton from them and they're just, they're all great human beings. They're great students. They're great citizens. Um, and they, 
you know, they're just really good people to learn from. So just trying to better myself in every way possible. Yeah. And you're reaching out to random guys on the internet to come on their podcast, man. Hey, whatever, whatever it takes, right, Zach, whatever it is takes. That, is that not today's day and age? Like, <laughs> it's hundred hey, percent. I heard, I heard your 1, voice on my phone. Let's reach out to you. Hey, let's chat. Perfect. Love it. No, hundred percent, man. <laughs> I, I, I'm busting chops. I love it. I, I sincerely appreciate it. Again, you reaching out. This has been an awesome conversation again, just from the beginning with the, the devastation in, in your city and your town. And now just really learning, you know, who you are as a person and, and, what it took for you to get here, I just think is really, really cool. And, and just how willing you were to say yes to so many new situations. I think literally anyone can learn from that. If there's something that you really love and you really want to do, you're going to have to say yes. You're going to have to leave your fiance possibly for a couple months uh, mm -hmm. to go do something that you truly believe in. You're going to have to create your job responsibilities, um, whether you're just trying to impress your head coach or if you actually want those <laughs> job responsibilities. But um, no, I think it is awesome. And I sincerely appreciate your time today. And thank you for all of it. But the last question. So in four more years, of course, mm -hmm. is, that, is that when you're going to be getting that head coaching gig? Like what, what, is, what does it look like for you? And how, how are you going about it? In, in all sincerity, honestly, I always say four years because you know, of course, you the, the, the kids coming in, you want to tell them you're going to be there four years. That's a long running of joke course. in football. But uh, I don't know if it's the same in volleyball at all. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious, what, what's next for you? Yeah, so my timeline is that I'm not operating on a timeline. Um, I, this is the, the first place I've been where I haven't, thankfully, my boss still wants to have me come to work every day. And, you know, we're doing good things at Texas. We're being seen in good graces among administration. Um, I know that that could change at any moment in sports. That's how it goes. But, um, you know, my timeline is that I don't have a timeline. I love what's happening here. Uh, if the right opportunity comes up, then I'll jump at it. I do ultimately want to be a head coach. Um, people get into this for different reasons. I've, I've made that very clear to my boss that that is my end goal. She is very willing to help me get there. Um, part of the reason I have so much responsibility within our program is I know I'm going to have to take that on in my next role, whether that's another assistant role or head coach role, whatever that may be. But yeah, so four years down the road, if it is four years, um, I don't know where I'll be, but I'm not like a power five chaser. I'm an opportunity chaser. And if there's going to be an opportunity for me to be in a place that has great administrative support and a great place to raise my family and a nice, just a, a good town or city or whatever it may be to live in. Well, that's what I want to go after. Um, if they're if they're devoted to to me being there and, and helping them get better, then I'm going to do the same. So maybe it's in Cookville. I love it here. Um, so who I, knows? I was just about to say, if you do such a good job that your head coach gets to move on somewhere else, maybe maybe there's a position right there for you, and exactly. I'm sure it'll be all all happiness all around. Everyone's everyone's in a good state of mind. So Zach, this was absolutely fantastic. One last time, Zach Weinberg, assistant volleyball coach and recruiting coordinator at Tennessee Tech University. Zach, thank you so much for your time today, man. Michael, thanks for having me. This was awesome. And uh, love your show. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to this episode with Zach Weinberg. Um, as we said, all, every, everything will be in the show notes in terms of links. If you'd like to donate, if you'd like to follow him, if you'd like to follow the Tennessee Tech team, I think that's very important. So everything will be in the show notes. If you could, please review, rate, share, subscribe. Five stars on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That's super, super helpful and really does get us some more people to pay attention because I think these stories are really awesome and you can learn a lot from them. So I appreciate you listening. Time's the only thing we don't get more of. So thank you for giving me some of yours and go make it a wonderful day. Yes.